God is so good that even when you ain't good, it don't change him from being good. Ooh, pause and think about that for a second. Even when you're not good, God is still good. Even when you're not faithful, God is still faithful. Even when you're not trustworthy, God is still trustworthy. God cannot do anything but be good. And man, I'm so glad you tuned in today. If this is your very first time tuning in to Ignite Depot, we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you in the name of Jesus. And we're going to jump right in in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Just rest in his presence. He said, just rest in him. 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 Receive your healing. Receive your deliverance. Receive your wholeness right now in the name of Jesus. Today is your day. Say, today is my day of salvation. Today is my day of healing. Today is my day of deliverance, protection, and wholeness in the name of Jesus Christ. That word wholeness means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, regardless of what it is. With you, your family, your workplace, your church, your community, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Come on. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. See, when I speak over this city, I say, Father, I declare in the name of Jesus, your shalom peace is over this city. Your shalom peace is over Greeley. Your shalom peace is over Metcalf. Your shalom peace is over, over Russell. Your shalom peace is over all of Ottawa. Your shalom peace, Father God, is over Manatee. Your shalom peace, Father God, is over Barhaven. Your shalom peace is over Finley. Your shalom peace is over Gloucester. Your shalom peace is all over all of Ontario. What am I saying? There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing missing, there's nothing broken, and there's nothing lacking because we, when we are on the scene, God is on the scene. When we, God says, I am with you wheresoever you go, which means before you get to where you're supposed to be at, guess what? God's already there. He didn't just show up when you showed up. Before you got there, he was already there. Before you got to that situation, the circumstance, God told me to tell you, he was already there. Before you ended in that situation, the circumstance, that test, trial, and tribulation, God says, I was already there, and I've already get made a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I'm already here. I'm already there. I'm already there, he says. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already there. I'm not going to get there, he says, I'm already there. And he says, for those who have ears to hear, he says, I'm going to speak a word to you that will ultimately change your lives forever. How many people are ready to hear from heaven this morning? I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear from heaven this morning. Glory to God, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive, but I came to give, but I was ready to receive, but I came to pour out, but I'm ready to receive. I came to give, I came to give, but I'm ready to receive whatever it is he wants to bestow upon us this morning in the name of Jesus. My heart's desire is always to speak the mind of God only my opinion means absolutely nothing 
If my opinion doesn't line up with the word, it means absolutely nothing. That's why nine times out of 10, you don't hear me ever say my opinion, because my opinion, if my opinion doesn't match his opinion, it means absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter. I said it doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't match his. I'm not expecting him to change. I'm the one who has to shift. Because you can give people your opinion and you can jack their life up, particularly if what your opinion does not line up with the word. You will jack them up. And you got to give an account. That's why he says, don't rush to be many teachers. Why? Because you receive the greater condemnation or you receive the greater judgment. Oh, I want to be a teacher. <laughs> okay. You're responsible for everything you teach the people. Right or wrong, you're responsible. Your opinion means nothing if it doesn't match up with the word of God. My opinion means nothing if it doesn't match up with the word of God. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm okay with that. Are you ready for the word? Ready this morning? You want you ready? Ready to bring the fire? All right. Well, glory to God. This is, of course, you know, this is the Sunday which we always pray for women. Uh, whether you're married, single, young, old, doesn't matter. We always want to pray for women and cover them in this community, in this city, in this nation, throughout the province. So I'm going to step aside and then Sister Rita is going to come and and lead us in prayer, and then I'll be back right back. Sister Rita, glory to God. Father God, I thank you for this great privilege of standing here instead of the women of this area in the area of Ottawa and uh, Canada. Lord God, you are a mighty God, and you are faithful to your word, and I thank you for it. And Lord God, I just pray that you would fill my mouth with your words. Oh, Father God, I praise you. I praise you, Father God, for you have a mighty and wonderful plan for the women in this, this land, Lord God. I just pray for the Esthers and the, the Deborahs to come forth, Lord God, and all of those that are pregnant with the purposes that you have designed them for. Oh, Father God, I lift them up to you, Lord God. I pray that they would bring forth, that they would birth your purposes, Father God, for the greater good of your kingdom, Lord God. Lord God, I just pray for the, the broken and the, and the hurting, Lord God, for the, uh, the women that are lonely, the abused, Lord, I just pray that you're a healing balm over them. Father God, I pray that uh, against the um, all the forces of evil that would come against them and try to uh, to eliminate them from your purposes. Father God, I just... Uh, I, 
lift them up to you, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. What you did for others, you will do for them. Have them know that they are not, a, not alone and that, uh, Father God, that there, there is a place in your kingdom that they can serve mightily. Lord God, I just thank you. Thank you for all the women in Canada, Lord God. I pray for leaders. I pray for women that would come into the educational system, Lord God, that, would, that there, it would cause a great change in the educational system for our children, Lord God. I pray for the, I lift up the esters that are in, that are in governmental positions, Father God. I pray that they would answer the call that is on their life, Father God. I pray against the Jezebel spirit that would come to try and, and take reign in this, this land, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, you have no power here. And I just, I defeat it at the root. I cut it down at the root in the name of Jesus. You have to go in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I pray against the spirit of rejection in women. Lord God, that's a mighty strong spirit as well, Father God. It would come and say you're not enough. And any woman that is that has experienced this, that is experiencing a spirit of rejection, Lord God, I pray for her right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that that yoke can be broken and that they can be set free and that they are relevant, Lord God, in your kingdom and that they would know your purposes, Father God, and walk in them in Jesus' precious name. Spirit of rejection, go in the name of Jesus. You are a yoke destroying God, and I thank you for it. I know that you are mighty to save, Lord God. You are a good, good father. And Lord God, I pray for the young women in this world, the the young women, teenagers, young children, Lord God, the, the uh, assignment of the enemy against them is, is, seems so powerful, Lord God, but the name of Jesus is far above any name, any, anything that is, has been designed to come against the purposes of these young women in, in this uh, land of Canada, Father God. I thank you for it, Lord God. You're, you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and you are mighty to save, Father God. I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord God, I just pray that each one would, each woman in this, this land of Canada, this region of Ottawa would come into their purpose in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. That's a word right there. Women, 
you are accepted. Women, you are no longer bound. Woman, thou art loosed. From your infirmities, you are loosed. From your past, you're loosed. From those past issues, you're loosed. From those past addictions, you're loosed. From those past abuses, you're loosed. From those past hurts, you're loosed. In fact, we decree and declare that the, the, the bomb again, the healing bomb, the healer, Jesus is the healer, is healing hearts, healing wounds, healing relationships, healing families, restore, restore, restore them back to the way they were before life happened. Restore. And we bind every satanic and demonic force that's set against the women right now in the name of Jesus to try to suppress them, to try to, to try to make them feel like they have to fight to the point where they become extreme. We bind it a spirit of deception right now in the name of Jesus. We bind this spirit of, of intimidation that's come against them in Jesus' name. We bind that spirit of division, schism, and strife that's coming, that spirit of condemnation and guilt. We bind your operations against them now in the name of Jesus and command you to cease in your operation, desist in your maneuvers against them now. Holy Spirit of the living God, touch, touch, touch them now. Touch, touch, touch them now. Touch them now. Heal them now. Deliver them now. Set them free now. Make them whole, whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. We release it unto them now in the name of Jesus. Be whole from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Be not just healed, be whole. You know, you know, the adversary starts off early in your life to try to get you out, take you out. From your family members to your to neighbors to laws, rules, regulations to try to get you to stop, get you to quit, and to minimize. That's why even when you're reading the word, you got to read the word, understanding that some of the, the they was writing it from a male's point of view, and some of that stuff was cultural, the way that they saw things. But God, they said, well, in Old Testament, yeah, but. God, God used a woman, Deborah, to lead the children of Israel. God used Rahab to deliver the spies out of the hands of the people in Jericho. God used Esther to save a nation. So if you say that God won't use a woman, you are sadly mistaken. In the New Testament, you read about how part of Paul's ministry was women. In the Acts of the Apostle, it talked about women. So if you say that God is not using women, you, my friend, I love you with the love of the Lord, but you are wrong. That's not true. That's not true. If you don't think he's using women, you, you must not be married. Because he uses women to make, to help guide you so you don't jump up, run off a cliff to kill your crazy self. Because men, we could be crazy. 
but God. So thank you very much, Sister Rita, in the name of Jesus. Let's jump right into it. Man, I came with my swimming trunks on and water's fine. Oh, and the father said to stop binding up your angels with your words. You're binding up your angels. You're, you're dispatching them in one conversation and you're binding them in the next conversation. You're loosening them to go forth to bring it unto you and you're binding up the very thing that you're loosening because of your words. If you keep saying, Ottawa is a dark city, guess what's going to happen? Ottawa will remain a, let me, let me, a dark city because your words have power. So body of Christ, look at me, look right here in my cute little face. Stop it, stop it. If you're not gonna speak life, Respectfully, don't say anything at all. Because you're hurting the very fight. This government is this. This government is that. This government is this. And them clowns, are, I mean, those people are going to continue to do the very things that they're doing because they, every time you say that, you are releasing another force to go to work on their behalf. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. If you're not speaking the word respectfully, stop talking. Because you are a creative force, particularly if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Your words have power. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. By your words, you are building. By your words, you're tearing down. By your words. I'm talking to the entire church, not just our church, the entire church. Cut it out. Good gracious. I was at a group of leaders. And the guy said, do you know Ottawa is a dark city? I said, not to you, you just said that. I said, but isn't that why we're here? How's it gonna be dark if he sent us here with a light? Hello, the moment you entered, put light into the city, guess what happened? It's no longer dark. You can cut all the lights out in this room right now. Guess what? As soon as you cut one light switch on, guess what happens to the darkness? It has to flee. So stop it. You sound crazy. It's dark on my job. Are you there? Yeah. Are you saved? Yeah. Are you doing what Matthew 5 told you to do? Let your light so shine. If not, keep your mouth shut. I don't even apologize for it because you hurt. You look crazy. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you, you fool, you idiot, you stupid. Come on, man. Read James chapter three. Blessings and curses come out of the same spout. It ought not to be. Yeah. He told me to tell you, speak the word only. If you're not speaking the word, stop talking because you are part of the problem.
Ooh, that's good. He says, because you get in agreement with the adversary. No, I'm not. Go back and read your Bible. We're going to talk about that today. Well, something like that. Well, we, we start a new series. I hope y'all brought y'all. I love y'all. But I hope you. We just, remember last week we said we done with them cutesy little make me feel good messages. Unless it's, unless it's bringing transformation. This message is about bringing transformation. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, if you will connect. Oh, well, okay. Let me, let me make the declaration and we're going to jump out there. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To preach a good tidings to the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain, open to the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolation, and they shall repair the waste city, the desolation of many generations. Now, most of the time when people read this, they say, yep, this is what Jesus read. He's quoted in Luke chapter four. But how many people know that the word they is, was referring to more than one person? They is talking about all those whom the spirit of the Lord God is upon. Who do you think will qualify for that? Those who have called upon the name of the Lord. Those who have made Jesus their, their savior, made him their master, and made him Lord. Lord means supreme in authority, supreme in character. So if you have the spirit of the Lord God upon you, if you have received Jesus as your personal Lord and savior, this message is for you. Psalm 61, 1 through 3 is talking about you. So he says, I'm going to anoint you for a purpose. I'm going to anoint you, and then I'm going to send you out. I'm going to anoint you, and then I'm going to send you out. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to appoint you. I'm going to choose you from the foundation of the world. And when I do, this is what I'm going to have you go out and do. It didn't say he's gonna, you're going to do all this in church. Do you know that most people don't get saved at church? Most people get saved outside these four walls. Which means that you, as a member of the body of Christ, got to get to work. I know I said a swear word in church. W-O-R-K. Because ministry, to do the work of the ministry, it starts off with work. But you're not basic. You're not doing just works just to be doing works. You're doing the work that the Father ordains you to do. Whether you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, whether you're a, a uh, I call it a, a home engineer, aka a stay-at-home mom or dad. Whether you're a pastor, apostle, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, whatever you're called to do. 
God has already anointed you. You know, there is anointing to be a wife. There's anointing to be a husband. There's anointing to be a father. There's anointing to be a mother. There's anointing to be a son. There is an anointing for all that. Why? Because God wants you to do it God's way. Now, he told me to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we give you glory and praise, and thank you in the name of Jesus for this word. We thank you, Father, that God, that our teaching and preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but, Father, let it always be in, in demonstration of spirit and power. That the faith of the people lie not in the word of man, but in the power of the Most High God. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Continue to move up and down each and every aisle. Go across each and every airway, touching the hearts of the people. Father, we call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, into the house, into the kingdom, into position that they may carry out their assignments. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, the Father told me to tell you this. If I was to give this message a title, he told me to tell you to watch out for the counterfeits. Watch out for the counterfeits. And it's going to be about something. I mean, it's going to be about what you think it might be about, but it's going to be about something that you don't really think about is a counterfeit, but it's a counterfeit in the name of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> this is what it's telling us here to do. It says, I think, okay, am I offline? Okay, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Okay, so this is what he says. He says that <laughs> you're going to get it anyway. So he told me to tell you this from the jump. And according to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, he says, harden not your heart. So when you get ready to hear this word today, he's telling you up front, harden not your heart. What does it mean for you to harden your heart? When you hear a word that you don't necessarily like, you don't necessarily agree with, you don't necessarily believe, what most people do is they harden their heart. What, what happens when you harden your heart? You dismiss everything that's being said. Is one of the first tricks that the adversary uses when the word goes forth to try to get the word out of you. He he you, he speaks the word. You the word comes forth, but because you have hardened your heart, you get no nutrition out of it. He told me to say this to you in accordance to Hebrews chapter three, verse number seven. I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, "Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts." as happened in the rebellion of Israel and their provocation and embitterment of me in the day of testing in the wilderness. Where your fathers tried my patience, God said, and tested my forbearance and found I stood their test and they saw my works for 40 years. And so I was provoked, displeased, and sorely agreed with the, that generation and said, they always err and are led astray. Where? In their hearts. Glory to God. So how are you led astray? In your hearts. And they have not perceived 
and recognize my ways and become progressively better, more experimentally and intimately acquainted with them. In other words, even though God was trying to teach them his ways, they continue to err in their hearts. Why? Because they kept hardening their heart to whatever it is God had to say. And he's telling you today, when you hear the, hear the Holy Spirit speak today, don't harden your heart. He's going to put his finger on some stuff. He's going to, put, he's going to touch some stuff. And when you get to the point where you hear the word and you get irritated and you're agitated and you're mad, you have just hardened your heart to what was said. And guess what will happen? You will receive nothing from it. Unless you repent. So what did he say? He says, they always, didn't say they did it sometimes, because they were rebellious against God's ways, they always erred and were led astray. What is that word straight? Led off path in their hearts. It's not in your head, it's in your heart. If I really wanna know what you believe about a situation, I don't go by what you say to me on Sunday. I wanna see you about Thursday, about, about three o'clock. Well, you, you ain't under nobody's word. You'd have been at work half the week. I've been at home dealing with your, with your family and everything. And you ain't got your holy, holy going on. And yeah, I wanted to talk to you then. Because the real you going to show up. That mother joker, blah, 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 blah. Ooh, I'm sorry. Did you, I didn't mean for that to come out. Oh, it could not come out if it wasn't already in there. And it wasn't in your head. It was in your heart. He says, and they have not perceived or recognized my ways. So he says, the reason why they, because they had, were rebellious, because they erred in their hearts, because they were led astray, he says, because, the reason why is because they have not perceived or recognized my ways, or recognized my ways, or understood my ways, or recognized my ways, or understood my ways, and have become progressively better and more experienced. So because they didn't recognize his ways, they could become more progressively better or experimentally or intimately acquainted with them. So if you have hardened your heart to, the, to God's, when you, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks, when you harden your heart, you cannot become more acquainted with God's ways of doing things. You want to be able to become more intimately able to acquainted or to know them. It's impossible. Are you with me so far? Glory to God. Let's keep on moving. So the first part he says, do not harden your heart. Which means don't come in here with a preconceived idea. Preconceived, I, know, I already know that. No, you don't. You know what you know about to the point that you know it or to the point that you allowed yourself to be taught it. But guess what? You can never exhaust the word of God. You can have one scripture and he can spend the, re the rest of your life showing you a different fact. Oh, that's good. He said, he says, even in heaven, the angels fly around. They've been flying around a throne of God for years. And every time they fly around that throne, they see something new that they didn't see before. And they say, holy, holy 
holy. Now, if they are right there at the throne of God, they are flying around the throne of God, and they have been flying around there for thousands, let's just say for 6,000 years, just say for sake of thing, 6,000 years, and every time they fly around that throne, they see something new, and you've been here, what, <laughs> maybe 40 years, 70 years, if you're lucky, and you think you know it all, Duh. you do not know it all, that's when you know you don't know it all, when you think you know it all, I heard a brother was talking to us yesterday and said, this guy said, I don't need to go to church anymore, because I know everything I know I need to know about the Bible, you know what happened to that guy, because he thought he knew everything, he got lost in the sauce. Ain't no telling where he is at right now. He don't go to nobody's church. He tried all kinds of different things and he lost everything. Did God do it? Absolutely not. He told me also to, to let you know, beware of deception. That's why we're going to be talking about counterfeit. Beware of deception. Jesus told us this in Matthew 24. He says this in verse six. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. He says, you will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come, don't panic or give in to your fears. He says, for the breaking apart of the world's systems, the world has its own systems. He says, is destined to, it's the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen, but it won't yet be the end. It will be the unfolding, but it's not yet the end. And how many people know you already see that? I mean, people are, yeah. So it didn't say that there were wars. It says you're going to be hearing all these rumors of wars. We call it saber rattling. Everybody, I'm going to do this to you. You do this. I'm going to do this. You do this. Sound like two little kids on a on the playground. If you if you it was, well. Back in the day, if you was going to have a fight with somebody, you put a stick on your shoulder and you walk around in a circle and you say, if you knock that, then you got other people outside, not in the fight, saying, if you knock that stick off his shoulder, that means his mama wears combat boots to church. If you, I mean, it, they would say all kinds of stuff. Now, neither one of y'all really wanted to fight, but y'all walked around in a circle like that was going to fight because that's what was expected. It's the same kind of thing. Everybody's going to be talking a whole bunch of smack. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do it. And don't nobody want to do it because think about this. If they push that button on one end and the other per push, person pushes the button on their end, guess what? Nobody wins. So they don't want to do it. Russia used to do that with the states for a lot, many years until President uh, Reagan said he would blow them off the, off the earth. And then they got some act right. So God is saying, one, don't harden your heart when you hear my word. Two, beware of deception. He told me to tell you, you got to get your mind right. See, in quarters of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, it tells you that the battle is won or lost in your mind. Most people, when we talk about this, we talk about strongholds, but strongholds are fortified patterns of thinking. Strongholds can be good or bad. It's not just bad strongholds. Strongholds can be good or bad. You can have a stronghold that, man, God's word is the final authority in my life. That's a fortified pattern of thinking, and nothing's going to change that. You can have a 
pattern of thinking that the that you know that the Holy Spirit leading guide me into all into all truth, and He He's the one who leads me. He's the one who guides me, and it's a fortified pattern. It's guarded. It's protected, and nothing's going to change that. Or you can be on the other side, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. It says here in verse three, it says, for though we walk or live in the flesh in our physical bodies, we're not carrying on our warfare according to flesh using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare, whether you realize it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are in a battle every single day. The only difference is between being a battle Paul's talking about here and being in a battle on the battlefield is in a battlefield, you can physically see your enemy. In spiritual warfare, it comes in thoughts. It comes in attacks. And, this, and he says, for our weapons, our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. So you're not fighting with people. You're not fighting with people. You're not fighting with people. But they are, our weapons are, are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of demonic and satanic fortified patterns of thinking. How do you know if it's a, a satanic or a demonic pattern of thinking? It, says, it tells you here how you can tell the difference. It says, in as much as we refute or put off arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud thing that and every lofty thing that sets itself up against the word of God. How do you know if it's demonic? How do you know that it's satanic? How do you know it's from this world system? Is any arguments or theories or reasonings or proud and lofty things that set them, try to set themselves higher than what the word of God has to say? Word of God says that by Jesus stripes you're healed. World says, no, you, you're going to be dead by Thursday. Word of God says that my God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. World system says that if you don't have a job, you're going to be broken than the first set of the Ten Commandments. That the, the only way you're going to make a living is by the work, by getting a job. The only way that you're going to be healthy is taking all, all, these, all these pills from pharmaceutical. And guess what? Many times when you take the, those pills, it causes you more issues than what it is you're trying to overcome. The world's, God's word says that, hey, marriage should be between a man and a woman, husband and a wife, and they are to produce godly children. World will tell you, you don't need to get married. You can just live married. You can be common law married and everything and have as many kids as you want. One is trying to supersede what the word of God has to say. And when you try to supersede what the word of God has to say, he says, you are setting yourself up for a takedown. Is God the one who's taking you down? Absolutely not. Because the other thing people don't realize is that there are two systems operating in this earth. There's two kingdoms operating in the earth. So why are you saying, why, why are you calling it, don't, uh, you got to watch out for the counterfeit? Because the world system is a counterfeit system. It's a counterfeit to God's original plan. And he says, and my people, like the children of Israel, have hardened their hearts towards my way of doing things. And they're erring in their hearts. And they're not familiar with my ways of doing things. So they, it's impossible for them to become more acquainted with it because every time they hear something about the kingdom of God, they 
harden their hearts and like, I don't want to receive that. Or they kingdom of God on Sunday, they kingdom of darkness the rest of the week. Or the kingdom of God from the hour of nine to you know, 11 to one, but at two o'clock, I'm back in my old way of doing things. God says, you're deceiving yourself. Now, <clears throat> he said, this morning he said, Jesus told me to let the church know he did not destroy the law. He didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. What he did come to do, he came to fulfill it. When the word says we have been redeemed, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's ceremonial. There's still a moral law in place. If you go back and read Matthew chapter 5, has verse 17 he's talking about he's still talking about the ten commandments he's giving examples the word you says you know thou shall not kill but he says if you have bitterness and strife and envy against somebody in your heart you have already murdered that person the word you said your law says you shall not commit adultery he says but if i say if you looked upon a woman you have already committed adultery in your heart what he's saying is is I didn't come to take away the moral law. He says, the moral law was still there. He said, you said, well, uh -uh. he said a new commandment he gave me. And he, and he says, and he says, yeah. And you said, yeah, to love others as I love, as Christ has loved me. Well, he also told you, I had somebody talk to me, say that to me one time. And somebody was trying to tell me I was supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm supposed to keep all the Jewish holidays. I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that and blah, blah, blah. And I went to the Father. He says, I've already summed it up. If you love others as I have loved you, you're not going to murder them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to cover their neighbor. You're not going to cover their wife. You're not going to cover it, whatever it is that they have. He says, because that's not what love does. He says, if you have fulfilled this one, you have fulfilled all the rest of them. That's what Jesus said. If you fulfill this one, these, this commandment, you have fulfilled all the law. If you love others, just like God, just like Christ loved you, you have already fulfilled all the law. But if you're not loving, just like Christ loved you, you're not, you're not doing what it is he told you to do. You're not keeping his commandment. You're not following his way. It's not deep. See how simple that was? It's not deep. Too many people making it too deep. Jesus says he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. What did the prophets do? Prophesied about him coming. If you go back and read the prophets, they're prophesying about when he comes, this is what's going to happen. When he comes, this is what's going to happen. When he comes, when he comes, when he comes, when he comes, and guess what? He here. And when he showed up on the scene, the very they could not even receive him, even though the, the prophets prophesied how he was going to come. The law talked about it. This is what you're doing. This is how you operate with God. This is how you operate. This is how you operate. And he says, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill them. So once he fulfilled all the ceremonial laws, you are no longer under that. Why? Because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He also told me to tell you this. Remember how we said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you 
pull down or put off one pattern of thinking and you put on a new one. Luke chapter 16 says this. He says, Luke chapter 16, verse 16. I'm reading out of the, the New International Version. It says this. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. John who? John the Baptist. Since the time of John the Baptist. Since when? The time of John the Baptist. Since when? The time of John the Baptist. The good news uh, the gospel of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. So since the time of John the Baptist, what did John the Baptist preach? The kingdom of God is at hand. What was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was a forerunner. It says John the Baptist will be a forerunner and he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the father and he would prepare people ready to receive the Lord. That's what John the Baptist did. Guess what? That's your same mandate today. You're, we are forerunners. And what are we supposed to do? Begin to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to their fathers, and make ready a people ready to, to see the Lord. You said, how, that's, well, that's, just, that's just, just what John. John preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Guess who else preached the gospel of the kingdom of God? Y'all might know him. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. Talking about don't fall for the counterfeit. You got to watch out for counterfeits. Because I know places right now that are still teaching people they have to follow the entire law. And you don't even know all the entire law. But you're supposed to follow it. When you say that I got to continue to follow the law, the ceremonial law, you make what Jesus did on the cross of no effect. I'm talking, I'm not talking about people outside of the church. I'm talking about people inside the church. I know a guy right now, him, I'm not, if, if I call his name, y'all know him. Him, he, him, he's strictly law. He don't want to hear nothing about grace. Nothing is law. They're like, brother, no matter how good much of the law you try to get, you are never going to fulfill it. It says, if you go back and read in, in Romans, it talks about how, why the law was given. The law was given, it, law did not reduce sin. If anything, it increased your awareness of sin. But Jesus said, I came to fulfill it. Do y'all, would y'all say Jesus? Fulfill the law. Everybody say Jesus came. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. Everybody agree with that? He fulfilled the law and the prophets. And you say, well, what about people who aren't saved? Is it okay for them to follow the, the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. Why? Because it gives them some moral code. But when they come into the kingdom of God, once they receive Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, guess what happens then? Jesus is your perfect sacrifice. Now, what do you got to do? You got to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do, you ask? I'll tell you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this. I'm reading out of Amplified. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? 
the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. No, 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 that's not right. You mean Jesus preached the cross? Nope. Jesus preached uh, grace? Nope. Jesus preached faith? No. Jesus preached the kingdom. John preached the kingdom of God. Jesus for three years preached the kingdom of God only. He talked to his disciples about the cross. What did, he, what did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom and he cured all kinds of sickness and every weakness and every infirmity. So he preached the kingdom and then he went about healing and curing all diseases and every weakness and infirmity. Now, when he's talking about he healed all, cured all kinds of diseases and every weakness, does that mean it has to be a disease? Nope. Does it have to be an infirmity? Does that mean it has to be a disease? Nope. What is that? Any area which you lack in your life, when he preached the kingdom, it was there to fulfill that. How do you know? Go back to Isaiah 61 1. I'm not telling you, you have to do that right now. I'm just saying, when you go back and read, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the brokenhearted, to heal, to heal the brokenhearted, to, to set at liberty those who are captive, to, to, uh, set, to proclaim liberty to those who are bound. What does that mean? They have weaknesses, they have infirmities, they have sicknesses, they have diseases. They have heartache. They're bound in, oh, that's good. The woman with the issue of blood had a physical infirmity. The woman who was at the well, she had a spiritual infirmity. Why? Because she had been divorced five times and was living with a guy at the time. She was bound, but he came and set her free. Okay. Then it says, and when Jesus saw the throngs of the people, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless. So Jesus, when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion because when he seen the people, what did he see? They were bewildered, they were harassed, they were distressed, they were dejected and they were helpless. How many people know that when you walk out your door every day, you will see people who are harassed, distressed, dejected, and they're helpless, but they don't realize that they're helpless. <clears throat> he says they're walking around like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, when Jesus saw all these people, what did he tell the disciples to do? He said, this is what you did. He said to his disciples, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I'm praying. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to force out and thrust out laborers into your harvest to bring in the harvest right now in the name of Jesus. For you say that the harvest 
Indeed, it's plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're calling in laborers from the north, the south, the east, and the west to train them up to go forth and bring forth the harvest in the name of Jesus. We declare it and decree that it is so and that it's done right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus preached the kingdom. John the Baptist preached the kingdom. What are you supposed to be preaching? The kingdom. Why? Because he already told you in Matthew 24 that the world systems are destined to fail. So he's telling the body of Christ, get out of the world system because it's destined to fail. It's not it might. It's, he said that it is. And this is where we're going to. Oh, that's good. Lord. Thank you. Now, who is the deciding factor? Now, when the children of Israel heard the word, when the Holy Spirit began to speak, who was the determining factor whether or not they heard received anything? Was it the Holy Spirit or was it them? They are the deciding factor. He, that's good, Holy Spirit. He says, the same thing is happening with you today. He says, you're the deciding factor of whether or not you receive anything out of this word today. He says, because it is based on how you hear. Are you giving, oh, he said, that's good. He said, he says, you have, you have to give ears to hear. You have to give ears to hear. You have to open your ears up to hear. You can, you can hear my voice all day and tomorrow, but I don't want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to tell you where you need to make an adjustment. And all of us have to make adjustments to do it God's way. Now you can go out of this door today and still be concrete cranial, AKA hard-headed. And you can do it, you can be like Frank Sinatra singing, I'm gonna do it my way. And I'm gonna tell you, that, yes sir. He said that the same issue that you have today will be the same issue you will have next year because you have not heart, you have not hearkened to his voice, but yet you have hardened your heart when his voice was going forth. He said, Deuteronomy 30, he, he says this to the children of Israel, and he says it to us today. He says, I have set before you today life and prosperity, and then there's death and adversity, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess. Now that's what God's will. My, I'm setting, I'm setting before you life and prosperity, but you can, there's also death and adversity. He says, I'm command, I'm telling you this right now. I'm before you even go in and possess your land, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these things are set before you. He says, but. If you, your heart turns away from, and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess it. Then he says to them again, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and then there's death. 
he says, the blessing and the curse. And he said, I'm telling you, choose life. And by choosing life, in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. He's telling you this, I have set before, now set before you right now is life and prosperity. He says, and there's also death and adversity. Now, is God the one who brought about the death? No. Is God the one who brought about the curse? No. It's a counterfeit. When you operate according to the counterfeit systems of the world that mimic God's way of doing things with a twist. What is a counterfeit, you may ask? And this is where we're going to stop. A counterfeit means this is to forge or to copy or to imitate without authority or right and with a view to deceive or to defraud. He says, by passing the copy of this thing, this, this passing a copy of things forged for that which is original or genuine as to counterfeit coin. Now, it also is to imitate, to copy, to make or put on a resemblance as of a counterfeit, the voice of another person. Now, where did we see this take place at? In Genesis 3 with the adversary. The adversary introduced a different thought process to Adam and Eve that was contrary to God's way of doing things, it looked like the original. And they thought that they would benefit if they stepped out into this new way of doing things because the adversary convinced them through suggestion that God was keeping something back from them. What they did not realize that everything that the adversary said that God was trying to keep from them, they already had. So then enters in this counterfeit system. It's called the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, where Adam used to just once used to speak the word and things would happen. And he would, he would get his food and supply. Now he has to toil our labor to get the same thing that God had already freely given to him. So toiling only causes you to increase as long as you toll if you operate according to the world's system. If you get in God's way of doing things, you, and you begin to do it God's way, then there's promises that are attached to it. Life and prosperity, not just for you, but for you and your children. But if you harden your heart, I don't receive that. I don't care nothing about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my way. You can, but honey, 
you are being deceived. And the, Jesus, not any other prophet, apostle, Jesus was the one that says, this world systems are destined to fall. It's happening all around you. Now, this is the last thing. How can you recognize a counterfeit, you may ask? By knowing the truth. See, most people will say, in order to understand a real, to be a proficient, of, of, you know, to recognize a counterfeit, you have to study what a counter, no. All you have to do is know the truth. Because when you really know the truth, you will automatically recognize a counterfeit when you see it. But if you spend so much time, I and mean, this is this this is this is a slick trick how the adversary got got many people in the gym. They spend so much time focusing on the problem, they never see the solution. Because they become, oh, that's good, Holy Spirit. He said, because you have become consumed with the problem, you have no room for the truth. He says, the entrance of God's word brings with it light or revelation to show you the way that you should go. Psalms 119, 130 says this, break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. So when you break forth the word of God on the inside of you, revelation light shines out. And what does it do? It shows you the way that you should go. But you can't operate according to the kingdom of God apart from God's word. And if you only go by what statistics show, you only go by what this person said and this person said and this person said, but what they're saying is not based off of what the word of God says, line upon line, precept upon precept, you are following a counterfeit and you are going to be deceived. And guess what else going to, you're going to slowly, not all at once, slowly, slowly begin to be led astray and you won't even realize it because it's going to be so subtle. You'll think you're going right. And everybody around you said, man, you so far off. You can't get any much farther. But no, no, no. I know I grew up in church. You might have went to church, but that doesn't mean that any of the church, I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Have you grown up in the body of Christ? Have you been in church for 25 years and still wearing huggy diapers? Because you're still a spiritual babe. How do you know if you're still a spiritual babe? First Corinthians 3 talks about it. If there's envy and bitterness and strife among you, you are still acting like mere men, like nothing has happened with you. You are not, I'm only, people sing that song, they used to sing you and back in the day, I'm only human, born to make mistakes. No, no, you're no longer human. You are, you are, you have God super on your natural, that makes you supernatural. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You are a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, the same Holy Spirit Jesus got. You got that same Holy Spirit, the same word Jesus got. You got that same word, the same revelation that Jesus got. You have a right to get the same thing. All you have to do is make a decision. I'm going to live according to the kingdom, and I'm no longer going to live according to this world's way of doing things. And you have to make a decision. That's transformation. 
That's transformation. And this is the introduction. Watch out for the counterfeits. And a counterfeit he's talking about today is counterfeit systems that are operating in the earth today. We're going to talk about next time. Man, man, I didn't get to it today. But we're going to talk about next time about some more counterfeits. And I'm telling you, the thing about a counterfeit is a counterfeit looks so almost exactly like the original if you don't know the, the true original source and intent you will fall for the for the counterfeit so many people need, are calling out for love today and what they call love is not love because guess what more people are being hurt by that version of love i just want somebody to love me so i'll just if you just want to do whatever you want to do that's fine i just need somebody to love me that's not love baby that's not love that's not love. If somebody, that's good, Holy Spirit. If somebody says to you, if you love me, you would do this. Can I tell you something? They have just showed you they don't love you. Because if they love you, they would never have, that's good, Holy Spirit. They would have a, never have to manipulate you to get you to do something. Love doesn't manipulate did y'all hear what God says? I'm setting it before you. You choose. I'm setting my, my ways before you. You choose if you want it. I'm setting Jesus before you. You choose if you want to accept him. I'm setting my love is here. He's extended to you. You choose if you want to accept it. I'm setting it all before you. I'm letting you know ahead of time. All these things are coming, but you got to make a decision that you accept it. Nobody can force you to receive. God won't. The devil can't. All he can do is manipulate. God doesn't manipulate. He tells you the truth and lets you make a decision. At Ignite, we don't manipulate. We just tell you the truth and let you make a decision. You can get mad as, as you want to. Mad as a hornet's nest <clears throat> at me if you want. It doesn't make the word any less true. I didn't give you one ounce of my opinion. My opinion means nothing if it doesn't line up with the word. I just told you what the word of God says. And I told you what the spirit of the Lord told me to tell you. Why? Because something is about to happen. And the church needs to be ready. Because you're going to be the answer. Everybody talk about Genesis 12. Yeah, you're going to be the answer. But you can't be the answer if you caught up in the same system they caught up in. Ask yourself this question, but you ain't got an answer here. What if your job shut down tomorrow? Do you know how to get resources? God's word to show you how to do it. If you were sick in your body and medical science did not know what to do about your situation, do you know how to receive healing? If without the medicine, God's word can show you how to do it. If you are, your marriage is tore up from the floor up 
you want to put your, but you both have made a decision you want to save your marriage. But you don't want to every counselor and don't know what to do. God's word to show you how to restore that marriage to better than it was before. But you got to do it his way. Now, this is a great part about the sermon. I said all that to lead up to this one thing. If you, I, when I got born again, can I tell y'all, I, I didn't get born again because I was afraid to go to hell. I didn't go to get born again because I was out of hell and brimstone. None of that was what motivated me. Rita, you want to know what caused me to get born again? I wanted a different life. That's what, that's what drove me to get born again. I wanted a different life. Now, I had all kinds of dreams that I was going to hell and all that, all that and I was crying, <laughs> right? But the thing that really drove me was I wanted a different life. And he said, I got a way out. And that's the same thing he's saying to you this morning. I got a way out. But it's going to take a decision on your part. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, except you've been assigned. God has a way. God had a plan for your life before you was even born, before you was a figment of your mom and dad's imagination. But guess what? Even though he has it, you have to receive it. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. According to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, he says this, that the word of God is near you, it's in your heart and it's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He says, for with the heart, remember we were talking about the heart, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession or acknowledgement is made unto healing, wholeness, deliverance, safety, and protection. So if you'll pray this prayer with me today, from your heart, not your head, from your heart, you will receive salvation today. Say, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I turn from my sins. I'm sorry, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Fill me with your love right now. I confess that I'm saved, healed, delivered, made whole, and protected. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity. We pray for all those who prayed that prayer with us today, who gave their lives to you, Lord God, who surrendered their lives to you, who made a, re a rededication back to you today in the name of Jesus. We, we pray, Father God, that they were, you have given them eyes to see and ears to hear, that they receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the very eyes of their understanding has been enlightened, that they may know what is the true hope of your calling. Grant unto them, Father God, according to your riches and glory, to be stripped with might by the Holy Spirit in the intimate, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that they being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth all understanding. Father, we give you glory and we give you honor and praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen.
So if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you, welcome you back into the kingdom, welcome you back into right relationship, welcome you back into right fellowship. Now, what do you do next? Man, your next step, you got to find a good word-based church that will teach you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and will also teach you how to operate according to the kingdom of God. Man, that is so, that is so vital if you want to live a successful life as a believer. And guess what? If you don't learn it on this side, you will be in kingdom of God uh, 101 when you get on the other side. Glory to God. Now, if you want to, uh, if you are in the Ottawa area, Ottawa Greeley area, we will welcome you to come to join us here every Sunday morning at 930 a.m. as we prepare to uh, worship him, to, to learn, to be equipped, to be trained up so we can have an encounter, to be in, equipped, and to be power to go out and do the work of the ministry um on behalf of sister my bad minister juin and myself and all those here at ignite brigade we want to thank you for joining us this morning we will see you next week god bless you